0: Welcome to the Living in Alignment podcast. My name is Amy Landry. Through a collage of conversations, here we distill mindful living and timeless wisdom within a modern, everyday context. Thank you for being here. Divya Alto is a certified nutritional consultant and educator in the Shaka Vansya Ayurveda tradition. Born and raised in Bulgaria, she is the co-founder of Bhagavad Life, the only Ayurvedic culinary school in New York. Having taught thousands of people how to cook, she and her husband, Prentice, launched North America's first Ayurvedic chef certification program and Divya's Kitchen, an Ayurvedic restaurant in Manhattan. Divya is the author of What to Eat for How You Feel, The New Ayurvedic Kitchen, The book is now in its seventh print with a German edition recently released also. So Divya, thank you so, so very much for making the time to speak with me today. I really, really appreciate it.
1: Thank you. Uh, It's a real pleasure to meet you, Amy, and to be on your show. Thank you for having me.
0: I know this is a very generic way to start a conversation, but I would really love for you to share with us uh, your background and how you really came to this work right now. I, I know a little bit about your path and I find it really fascinating. So feel free to be as elaborate as you like in sharing that.
1: Okay. Um, I was born and raised in Bulgaria. That's my accent. And um, when I was eight, 18 years old, my teenage rebellion, I actually, I actually I told my parents, I don't wanna go to prom. (laughs) It's too much vanity, What's the use of prom. So, I actually never revealed this. You're the first person I'm telling this. (laughs) But um, yeah, I refused to go to prom and my teenage rebellion was that I was looking for the meaning of life and I decided to be a yogi because uh it was something very different in bulgaria in those days and also uh, during the communist time in bulgaria everything spiritual was forbidden so we were not allowed to go to church there were no yoga studios the only way i connected with yoga was through books and all the spiritual aspects were taken out of the books but there were asanas uh but like postures, guidance on how to make different uh, yogic postures. And I—I I, and this was like hardcore Hatha yoga books. So I tried getting up at four o'clock in the morning and taking cold showers and trying to do asana by looking in the picture and reading the description. And I lasted two days. You really need to have a teacher <laughs> for everything you want to learn, especially yoga. So, but I didn't give up. I felt that uh, there is a lot of meaning in the philosophy. And, you know, when we come on crossroads in our lives, um, uh, kind of our antennas are up and we look for signs in where to take the next step. I was feeling that way. And one day I was walking down the street in my hometown, Plovdiv. And I met a person who was running an underground yoga ashram in my town.
0: (laughs) Sounds very rebellious
1: it was so unexpected and i went to check it out It um, was very unusual never seen something like that but the atmosphere it was just a tiny apartment really that was the that was the so called ashram but the atmosphere the purity the cleanliness the smell of incense and then the class and then the food at the end of the class they 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 served a the full Feast of Indian vegetarian food, which I have never experienced before, and I was trying to be a vegetarian, and it was so hard because people thought that I was a part of a cult or something. It was so unusual to be a vegetarian. The culture didn't support it. My parents were worried that I would become deficient and unhealthy. There were no books or cooking classes in how to be a healthy vegetarian, so. When I tasted that food, I was like, this is my place. This is what I've been looking for. So it was a bhakti yoga ashram, and I offered to help in, like, become an intern and help in different ways, and in, in turn um, learn about everything about yoga. And my first job was wash pots and uh, chop vegetables in the kitchen. <laughs> so that's how I fell in love with food and cooking in a very unusual way you know it's not like in culinary schools you just do it as a job and at the ashram I was trying to do it as a selfless service and as a meditation you know scrubbing the black on the pots was cleaning my mind and, <laughs> and like not not speaking unnecessarily, focusing the mind being positive while cooking like all these things were an invaluable part of my, the beginning of my journey and also my training. Mm.
0: Very much your dharma.
1: Yes, I realized my dharma, especially in terms of teaching um, and also providing healing in many different ways through food, through um, music or whatever it is that I do. Um, So, yeah, I talk a lot of, I love your alignment theme so this was just the beginning of me for me
0: so I assume that your experience of this underground bhakti ashram was the main influence for you to then take the leap to go to India would that be correct
1: yes I really I went there to study at a school in Vrindavan and I really wanted to connect with the roots with the tradition with to experience spirituality for myself and it really it was uh, it, it, staying in India for almost five years and studying and it was really life-changing for me it really helped build my character so, so to say but um, and I've learned a lot while I was there as well. Mm.
0: How many years were you in India?
1: Five years like sometimes I'll go in and out like because I'm the summers are invariably hot. Yes, <laughs> it's just so hot. But sometimes I would leave for the summer and come back. But yeah.
0: So you essentially went to India to deepen your understanding and experience of the Bhakti path, and then yet this threw you on the path of Ayurveda because this is where you met your teacher, your guru. Correct.
1: Actually, well, this is where where first this is when I first experienced Ayurveda. My main teacher, Vaidya Mishra, I met later on when I came to the United States but when I was in India you know it's the traditional medicine of India and I was living in a small holly town um, of course they had modern hospital and all that but every time I and I, I've always been drawn to natural medicine and um, using food but I didn't know how to do it I didn't know how it works so when I was in Vrindavan, every time I would get sick, I would go to the local doctor who happened to be an Ayurvedic doctor and a really good one. And I, he still practices; he's still there. I hope to go back and visit him. I haven't been there for 15 years now, but he would. His name is Lila dar Gupta, and he would always, you know, he would always put me straight. Like he would tell me about what's going on and. And give me some herbs. But he would always say, these foods are good for you right now. They will help you heal faster. And these foods you really have to avoid because you can't digest them. And I I'll say, but why not chickpeas? I like it so much. It has so much protein. He would say, no, you can't digest it. <laughs> so for the this is how I first experienced using food as medicine. Hmm. And using food, like connecting with food, selecting foods, not just for taste and what I like, but also the the foods that I can digest, which is a very, very, um, how to say, unknown concept in the Western world. (laughs) We usually choose the foods that we like to eat.
0: Of course, of course, absolutely. And, you know, it's interesting hearing your story and your experience, particularly within India, because it's, It's such a beautiful expression of how all of these paths and these systems, if you will, that we almost see as very separate in the West are very much very integrated. So the yoga and the Ayurveda and, you know, um as an Odissi dancer myself, the practice and culture of Odissi dance is profoundly um, informed by bhakti principles. You know, the mm. the Gita Govind and the Ashtapadis have, have played a huge role in Odissi choreography. Um, you've probably seen a lot of Odissi dancers in Vrindavan. I love
1: Odissi dancing. It's divine. It's so captivating.
0: It is, and it's almost like a path of yoga, this path to um, moksha or liberation. And, you know, and then the asanas are very much... Um, have these common threads with the, I guess, the postures and the geometries linked to um, the yantra element of tantra. And, you know, we could go down a, a wormhole in this conversation. But I think the point is, is to come back to the fact that these are all very much interwoven in daily life in India, and they all are part of really the same system.
1: Yeah, exactly. Because they they all come from the Vedas, the the ancient Sanskrit texts, there's so many Vedic books on um, not just philosophy and spirituality and different spiritual paths and the gods and all that, but also a lot of very practical books. So they're called like Upavedas, like all the texts on Ayurveda are considered like subsidiary Vedas. Or there are texts on martial arts and architecture and dance and music. And there's so a society building and all that. So um, they all stem from the same tradition. And what I really love about that is they're interwoven, as you said, but also they, the principles that are presented there are universal. And even though they stem from ancient India, you can apply those principles anywhere in the world. And that's what's so valuable about the Vedic tradition, mm,
0: and that's what makes it so timeless in its wisdom. Certainly, yeah. Um, speaking of books, is there a book that has greatly shaped or influenced your path that you can think of? There's probably many.
1: Yeah, definitely many. Well, one of the first books was the Bhagavad Gita, of course, the one of the main books in the Bhakti tradition, but also one of the main books in yoga. So the understanding that um, I'm not this body, I'm an eternal soul. It's such a liberating, you know, even if you think of it theoretically, um, it it almost frees you from the fear of death. But also, it helps me see my existence, like it helps me see where I'm at at now from the perspective of my eternal existence. And it gives my life a bigger perspective and it's less depressing. (laughs) <laughs> it um helps me develop patience because we turn over
0: <laughs> yeah it's a significant book i think and it's interesting i i don't know it depends on how you were um exposed to the bhagavad gita but uh i actually this came up on a recent other com- podcast conversation and i reread the gita um you know recently a couple of months ago and I read it with fresh eyes and like a totally different experience and picked up on all the subtleties and the almost like the secrets of the Gita it just seemed like a bit of a dry story and then I actually was immersed in um, a training with a teacher of mine and I it was like something was unveiled you know reading it all over again it's a pretty exquisite book
1: yeah, yeah, that's, uh, that's the potency of, a time, of timeless literature. And you know, also, it's so interesting because the Bhagavad Gita speaks about food. Um, so when I started studying Ayurveda, I was like, oh, yeah, Ayurvedic food is the sattvic food, the food that balances you, the food on the path to enlightenment. <laughs> I just started making those connections as well.
0: Absolutely. So speaking of food, um, Let's talk a little bit about Ayurvedic cooking. Um, First of all, what do you think are the common myths or misconceptions
1: about Ayurvedic food? Well, would you give me some of those? Like, what what do you think are common myths?
0: Well, I, I think probably the most common one for me is that people think Ayurvedic food is Indian food. Yeah. Do you get
1: that? I get that a lot. You know, we actually, when we first opened Divi's Kitchen, we were also listed on platforms like Yelp. I don't know if you have Yelp in Australia, but um, we listed like vegetarian, vegan, and Indian. And so many Indian people would come and they would become really disappointed because they were expecting the very spicy, greasy Indian food. And they would say this is not Indian, and then we just took Indian down <laughs> because that was a mis, mis uh, how, What do you call it? It's misleading. Uh, they had in the a wrong. Way. Yeah, they had the wrong expectation because Yelp doesn't have Ayurvedic category yet. Um, but yeah, that's see again going back to the universal principles of Ayurveda. Um, you and one of the, those principles is to eat locally because eat locally not just in terms of the local ingredients but also the local environment the geographic altitude and and the lifestyle and and all that so um every region has particular diet because it helps support your body to balance in that particular region so Yeah, you can apply Ayurveda anywhere in the world, Ayurvedic cooking and eating anywhere in the world. You just have to understand um, the basic principles like digestion, food compatibility, um, seasonality, and all these things, and then apply them to your local time, place, and circumstance. And it doesn't mean also there are so many foods that were not available to... The sages who wrote the Ayurvedic texts and described so many ingredients, thousands of ingredients, that like quinoa, for example, or artichokes, <laughs> they were not listed in, in those texts, but does it mean we shouldn't eat them? No, they're actually very healthy and very nutritious, but you can apply the principles of studying those ingredients, their taste, their different pr- other properties, and then determining how you can use them for balance.
0: And this is ultimately, I think, what has made your book so uh, accessible, your cookbook so accessible, because it's not Indian food. Many of the Ayurvedic books and cookbooks that I have, the the food in there, the recipes, ultimately, you know, appear to be Indian food. There's so much dal in there and different rice-based dishes and, and whatnot. Obviously, um, very much similar to Indian food, but based on the principles of Ayurvedic cooking. But your cookbook is really accessible to a, a worldly a global audience because it's literally like food that people know and love already like lasagna for example is a you know uh, not an indian food but you can apply the ayurvedic principles to that
1: yeah that's my passion you know to i call it ayurvedize to to apply those principles to different types of cuisines and show really delicious variety because ayurvedic cooking is really the healthiest way to eat because it's very custom uh, cu- personalized you can customize it according to your own needs that's what ayurvedic food is it's all fresh and the healthiest ingredients but you take it a step further you customize it according to your digestion where how you're feeling uh, what you need to balance so honestly i got tired of eating indian food i mean i enjoy it but it's just <laughs> I didn't grow up eating Indian food. I didn't know about turmeric until I went to the ashram, you know. (laughs) It's because we had such limited uh, access to ingredients. But again, you can apply it anywhere. And honestly, that's my fantasy. I hope one day I can travel at least to a few parts in the world and stay there for a month or more and, and absorb the local culture and the local ingredients and create, ayurvedic recipes with those ingredients but again like for example when i go to bulgaria to spend time with my family i cannot find a lot of ingredients that i can easily find here in the united states so people were asking me oh can you translate your book into bulgarian and i'm like you know you won't be able to make a lot of the recipes simply because the ingredients are not easily available so i was thinking okay what ayurvedic recipes can i create for the Bulgarian population <laughs> to make it accessible to them.
0: You almost need to open up Divya's Kitchen everywhere around the world and make it <laughs> locally appropriate. Is that a lot of pressure for
1: you? Yeah, someone else can do the work. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I honestly, sincerely, for years I have had the idea of, where I live here in Newcastle, Australia, wanting to open up an Ayurvedic kitchen, just thinking if no one else is going to do it, I'm going to do it, even though it's not at all my area of expertise. Um, but I just think it would be so special to have, particularly in all major cities, and um, maybe we'll get there at some stage. But speaking of the principles of Ayurvedic cooking, would you mind going a little bit deeper into this? Perhaps we can talk about food com- combinations or, um, you know, that post-digestive effect Um which I don't think is really a consideration or even something that people are aware of if they haven't been formally trained in Ayurveda.
1: Yeah. I mean, first of all, the Ayurvedic approach to food is different. The, pers- the way we perceive food from an Ayurvedic perspective is different than modern nutrition perspective. The main difference is that in modern nutrition, we focus on nutrition facts. You know, you take an ingredient, study it in the lab, and then you give a list of, okay, so many carbs, so much protein, sodium, carbohydrates, this, that. Um, we, we focus on nutrition facts. What I really love about Ayurveda, it just blew my mind the first time I started studying the Ayurvedic concepts of food, is that Ayurveda looks at food in terms of its attributes, so it connects, it helps us connect with food in a lot more personal level. For example, um, what is the taste of food? H- how does food taste? Is it sweet, sour, salty, bitter, pungent, or astringent? These are the six tastes in food. But the taste is very significant because it has an effect physical as well as mental, emotional effect. Uh, and different foods have different predominant tastes. So then... Um, how does how does the food, uh, how does it feel, the food? Like, is it heavy or light? Is it moist or dry? Is it smooth or rough? You know, so there are 10 opposing qualities of food. And, you know, we usually when, this is what helps me when I think about food in terms of its attributes, it helps me connect with food on a more personal level. And established in my book, I speak about uh, having a relationship with food, getting to know each ingredient, getting to know what it feels like, tastes like when you cook it in different ways, uh, when you eat it in different seasons, how does it feel like? So that's how we are with people. We we talk about people in terms of the character, the attributes, the qualities. We don't talk describe people in terms of how many pounds of fat and muscle and... <laughs> you know, bones they have. So we talk talk about the quality. So when you think connect to food with its qualities, then you connect to how you're feeling, then it's much easier to select foods that will be balancing. And we always balance with the opposite quality. So if you're feeling very cold, like you're in the winter and very cold, you told me it's a very cold day in Newcastle today, Um, you need warm foods foods that will also warm you up on the inside you need comforting grounding foods i am here in new york city it was 90 degrees fahrenheit today it was so hot and i need the opposite like i've been craving coconut water all day because it's so cooling and so hydrating so when it's very hot you need cooling foods to balance and that's the third category of food um, Um, properties is the the metabolic effect is it cooling or heating on your liver and your body in general so you could eat for example zucchini is a very cooling ingredient it cools down your body Um, so you can have a hot zucchini soup that will cool you down you know it's it's not the temperature it's the metabolic effect when you eat the food as you're digesting it Is it, does it cool you down or heat you up? So that's a unique concept of Ayurveda, which I find extremely important because uh, modern nutrition doesn't know about that. So very often people are like, let's say you have a severe heat problem. You're coming up with rashes, you're feeling very hot. It's coming up to your head. You're feeling dizzy and nauseous. I've experienced this many times when I was in India, and then you may say, oh, yeah, just have some garlic because it's a universal medicine, it's good for everything, (laughs) but garlic is such a heating food. I mean, you know, your mouth is on fire when you eat it, so like increases like. You're very hot, you eat heating foods, it makes you even more hot, so... In Ayurveda, we always talk about the properties, and then it's so much easier to select the foods that are healing for you or balancing for you right now. Um, Then the post-digestive effect, that's another concept. So the six tastes of food, sweet, sour, salty, bitter, pungent, and astringent. After the initial stages of digestion, when that digest digested matter continues into the intestines then it transforms into three tastes which are sweet pungent and sour so i mean it's important to know this if you're considering food combining on a deep level but most people don't go there so
0: yeah it's it's that's a pretty deep um you don't want people to become too obsessed and or panicked about the impacts of their food but but it's still really handy to at least have an appreciation and an understanding and certainly i think probably for most listeners the biggest takeaway is understanding that um heating or cooling effect of their food and that's got nothing to do with the temperature that they consume their food and so when we speak here of heating and cooling we're not literally talking about hot and cold temperatures but their effect on you post-digestion so exactly yes yeah. Yeah, so that's a really nice consideration um so that's a, a great segue um here let's talk about spices for a little bit because spices are a really important um component of ayurvedic cooking so would you mind speaking to why spices are so important and perhaps share maybe what your favorites are or how you you know most commonly like to use them that would be great
1: yeah um well ayurveda uses a ton of spices not only to produce exquisite flavors but uh, also to support digestion so you know in ayurveda everything kind of rotates in terms of ayurvedic food and cooking everything rotates around supporting your digestion to be at its best because when we're not digesting food properly that semi-digested matter turns into the first level of toxicity in the body in Sanskrit is called ama and that's a very like sticky sludgy thing you know when we eat something when we feel a lot of phlegm the next day that's ama <laughs> that's something we didn't digest and it's just causing clogging and blockages and it's kind of you feel sluggish after eating food that you didn't digest properly so that ama when it sits in the body long enough i mean the body has a natural intelligence and detox cycle to clear that semi-digested matter but if it's not work that system is not working for us properly the semi-digested matter will just sit there in the channels in the body and it begins to ferment and becomes very reactive and then that's the breeding ground for disease that's where free radicals uh, come and bacteria grow, and so that's where we f- begin to feel sick and spices in ayurveda are used for flavor yes to add different tastes to the dish yes very important but also they support digestion they also they're like they called yoga vahi in sanskrit they're like vehicles that help carry nutrients to where they're supposed to go in the body, and and also they're they're very uh, they support elimination as well. So there are different spices for different to balance different body types. To um, certain spices that we need to use more in in the summer or in the fall or in the winter. So it's it's very important to learn how to cook with spices. Because like to me, spices are my best friends in cooking <laughs> because they make the food really tasty. But also I feel that they're really helping me uh, to, to feel better.
0: There's definitely something to be said, I think, for not only the digestive um, benefits, but also, you know, the, the great immune support as well that we can get from integrating spices on a regular basis.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean... Immunity goes down when, we, when we're when we not digesting our food properly. So digestion and the strength of your immune systems, uh, uh, system is directly connected. Mm. So some of the spices that I really love, my teacher, Vaidya Mishra, always used to say the four super spices. Like if you're new to spices, if you want to start somewhere, start with the four super spices. And... One is turmeric. There's so many studies about turmeric nowadays for uh, its anti-inflammatory properties. But I Ayurvedic texts describe turmeric as a very powerful cleanser for the liver. It's a heating spice, increases heat in the body, and the liver is a hot organ. That's why it's always important when you cook with turmeric to always add a cooling spice like coriander or fennel. And these are the Two, two more of the four. And to be specific
0: here, you're, you're meaning fennel seeds and coriander seeds.
1: Yes, seeds. So it's important to, to buy, I always recommend buying whole whole spices and grinding them fresh to receive 100% of the benefit of the essential oils and the flavor is so much better and it's just more more vital. It, it's more the vibration of the spices is the higher. The prana yes so turmeric is fantastic coriander very cooling spice really good for the, it's actually good for every body type very uh, diuretic so it supports um, the detox cycle in the body through by eliminating toxins through the urinary tract and also it's very good for uh, for kind of um, driving heat out of the body there were a few years ago I somehow had like a heat stroke or something in the summer and I started having all the symptoms and I called my teacher and his Vadimish and he said, oh, just have zucchini for three days <laughs> with coriander and coriander tea and it would help drive the heat out of your body and it worked it was very helpful. And the fourth spice is cumin. cumin helps with absorption of nutrients really good for digestion it it helps kind of it's a heating spice not too heating but kind of warming so it helps opening the channels in the body and um yeah clearing the path like Vaidya Mishra would say spices clear the path for nutrients to go where they're supposed to go
0: they almost decongest in a way
1: yeah well a lot of spices help with decongestion. ginger is one of my favorite uh a fresh i use fresh ginger it's just so powerful in so many ways with circulation and antiviral and antibacterial properties but it really helps increase uh, strengthen digestion and and really open the channels and clear stagnation i love ginger
0: yeah i do too I absolutely love grated ginger every day, every day. Um, Actually, you know, and going back to India too, and and again, reiterating that Indian food is not Ayurvedic food, but going to India is certainly a great way to be exposed to spices. I remember my first trip going there a number of years ago and um, finding, it's terrible, I know, but finding this cookie shop and I'm sure it was everything in there was loaded with all the nasties (laughs) but there was this cookie there that was like an ajwain cookie and i was like what is this ajwain stuff and i uh, so i was like i'm so curious and i actually i wanted to try these cookies because it said that they were, it was an Australian cookie shop which it obviously wasn't but I thought oh this is really interesting I'm going to try these Australian cookies and um, you know given that there's a cookie with Ajoine, I've never heard of this before and I tried it and it was delicious like the flavor of the Ajoine was so beautiful and so complementary to the sweetness of the cookie just like the savoriness of it and so I tend to use when appropriate seasonally love ajwain as well and I think that uh, being exposed to Indian food can be a really nice way to be exposed to the different flavours of the different spices.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, ajwain is such a powerful spice. I used it a lot more in spring during COVID because it has powerful antiviral properties, um, it act, and especially antibacterial as well. It, it, it was scientifically proved that it kills, I don't remember, seven or nine different strands of bacteria including salmonella (laughs) wow so so it's um it's quite powerful but it's it it really like help like very clearing it's a very heating spice really hot and it helps clear it really helps digestion it helps also clear congestion and things like that um but yeah don't use it in the summer so much no and and you know it's you can add add wine to uh like cookies also if you make chapati like the flatbreads or if you're making bread at home or uh, what else muffins you could add a little bit of edge because it really helps digestion of the heavy carbs.
0: I often actually add add it to uh, homemade masala chai you know I don't put black tea in there I don't have any stimulants but I find that's a really nice just a subtle amount of it in in like a really warm milk-based chai so good um so continuing the conversation around ayurveda and in fact given that today is actually guru Purnima, uh, yeah. i would love to speak with you about your teacher how was it learning with him over many years and that relationship and that studentship what did that look like for you
1: yeah well i tell you how i first met him you know, in my bhakti practice, I have my own spiritual mentor actually, several spiritual mentors, and and um, I've been in the presence of powerful teachers, and um, they continue to guide me until today. My I'm eternally indebted to them. When I, f- I first met Vaidya Mishra in person at the office of Dr. Mary Ann she's his one of his students who practices ayurveda in new jersey and it was very small office and i entered and i felt like you know he like he filled the room you know like when his aura filled the room and and i felt he uh as if i'm in the presence of spiritual teachers and he was very he passed away uh he passed away actually unfortunately on on the day my book was released Literally, like we were at the Rizzoli bookstore for the launch party, and I came home and I heard the news. It was it was very sad, but it was his time. But he, um, he when I first entered, I, I felt like very that spiritual presence. He was more than a doctor; he was a very spiritual person as well, and. Yeah, and and, you know, he had this mystical thing like he would read your pulse and then the first thing that comes out from his mouth was almost like prophetic. It was like, how do you know? (laughs) Sometimes he just says the first sentence, you start crying. So uh, his analysis was very um, exact And and, and he started treating me and I started getting better. I was working also on... It wasn't just the Ayurvedic treatment to overcome my autoimmune disease. I addressed it from, with other healing modalities as well. I always speak about the healing theme. But one thing about Vaidya was, that really attracted me to him was that he was really expert at adapting the ancient principles into modern day life, considering what we expose to today, like... Electromagnetic frequency and radiation, you know from our cell phones and computers and all these electricals that we constantly use They have an effect on 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 our bodies and minds like he would consider the pollution he would When he he told me when he first came to the United States He was using all these traditional protocols that worked in India and they weren't working on the American (laughs) patients and he he called his father, who was still alive at that time, and he said, "What am I doing wrong?" And his father said, "You know, you can actually feel if you're exposed to a lot of EMF, you can feel it in the pulse." And why do you notice also that 98% of his patients in America have way too hot livers? So certain remedies like ashwagandha, you know, is such a powerful and beautiful Ayurvedic remedy is very heating and he said ashwagandha is great and you need it but it's too hot for you it's not going to balance you so he he designed unique protocols to deliver the herbs by by, by bypassing digestion through transdermal creams through other um, transmucosal drops and things like that so that was very innovative of him he never strayed from the away from the tradition but he adapted it to time place and circumstance and kept the tradition alive so and also he was an an incredible cook and like no other teachers you know i was already trained as a cook and had a lot of experience but i took all possible cooking everything he was teaching i was i was learning and the cooking classes and the cooking tips and just cooking with him i've learned more than i've cooked with, with anybody else it was very, very deep, uh, very wise person. Sounds like
0: such a great uh blessing and a gift to have, you know, spent
1: the time with him. Yeah. So I tried to share what I've learned from him. Mm. <laughs>
0: so important. And I think that probably he, you know, would really see everything that you're doing as a is such a, a great way to honour the teachings and the lineage and the knowledge and and and, and as you say, adapting it to the context of the people and the community that are around you and you know the world we're in right now. So and that's that's the I think the great value of Ayurveda in general is that it it's it's just timeless principles that can be applied to anyone, anywhere, at any time. You know, there's nothing else like it in that in that respect. Um so speaking of food, could you please tell me what is your absolute go to meal, your favorite meal? Doesn't have to be Ayurvedic, whatever you would love to
1: eat. Oh, um, well, if it's something that I eat a lot, it's Kitri. <laughs> I love Kitri. So, Kitri is an um, Indian but also very Ayurvedic stew with grains, lentils, and vegetables cooked together cooks very quickly it's very nourishing and satisfying very um, easy to digest and it kind of it always helps me reset my body so because it's so easy to cook and it's just one pot to wash <laughs> afterwards I and I I'm very I'm quite busy with all the projects that we run so I end up cooking a lot of kittri and I it's not the same I I like to make different variations but that's that's probably a very balancing food for me.
0: Are you are you making variations, obviously seasonally appropriate with respect to vegetables, but are you also therefore doing the same thing with the spices? You're changing the seasonal um, yeah. application with spices as well.
1: Yeah, exactly. So in the winter, I always use more warming spices like ginger, black cardamom pods, which are really good for digesting protein and have this smoky flavor. And you can get them from an Indian store. I highly recommend black cardamom for more, for savory dishes. I haven't dishes. put
0: that in kitchen before. It's always been in like chai and, and different things, but oh, I'm going to give that a go. Yeah, the
1: the black cardamom, the brown yes. one, not the green yes. one. Yes. Mm-hmm. And then... Um, yeah, you can put some ajwine. Aj- I really like black, black seed or kalonji seeds. Kalonji is the Hindi word or black seed or black cumin.
0: I think it's nigella. It's also called nigella. Nigella,
1: so, yeah. Ni- nigella sativa, yeah. So that's really, that's a, not a super spice. really good for digestion. Very tasty. And then in the summer, I don't use as many spices because see most of the spices are heating. So in the summer, I would use more fennel and coriander. I would use more fresh herbs for flavoring in the summer, like dill and basil and parsley and cilantro especially. So yeah. And I would like in the spring, I'll I cook more barley in the kitchen or quinoa. In the winter, I'll have more rice. So I, I like to vary the grains as well.
0: What about beverages for you? Like, I'm curious, what do you drink normally?
1: Well, you know, it's very easy because I have a restaurant right downstairs, (laughs) and we make a lot of amazing beverages, so I don't usually, you know, I usually focus on the things that only I can do, and and then I can just go grab something. I, I do like tea a lot. Like, for me, tea is a very quick and easy way to balance myself, so... They're, I like to use digestive teas. I love ginger tea. Even in the summer, sometimes I would have ginger tea because I need it. Or um, I love cooling teas, like rose tea. I have rose teas in my book. So tea is something that I really like to drink. And I also like to make lime mates with fresh fruit, like strawberry or mangoes in season. Now we get man- really tasty mangoes now so make mango lime made I love pineapple juice just freshly squeezed pineapple juice it's just so good for digestion and elimination and the skin and it just feels so good when I eat
0: do you mind do you mind if I ask you at your restaurant how do you serve cooling drinks because you know the classic thing is you know cool drinks that come cold with ice and you know I'm curious to know how that would look
1: Yeah, we you know our restaurant is so weird in this regard because we don't have an ice machine and we do buy ice from the from the deli across the street, (laughs) we just get a bag of ice and we offer it to people who request it but we never serve ice with anything Uh, and it's funny because a lot of people sit down and we ask them, offer them water and they very often say no ice and we're like oh you don't have to worry about (laughs) that here. And sometimes when people request for ice and if, if I know them, I see the regulars and I, I can just go and talk to them and explain why we would n- not recommend ice with your food because it really weakens your digestive fire. They're like, oh, okay, then I don't want it. thank you. I learned something today.
0: Yeah. Well, people are just so conditioned to do it, aren't they? They don't think about it you know but even even if there's no ice I find most restaurants like the water is always chilled it's icy cold even in the middle of winter here
1: yeah we don't do that we we have a water filter and we just serve it that way but but the uh with like the drinks we just chill they stay in the fridge but they you know once you take them out they warm up to room temperature pretty quickly
0: so uh... Obviously, you've got your stunning cookbook, which is available pretty much worldwide. Um, but I would love to know, besides your own, what would be your most loved cookbook or the most used cookbook?
1: The cookbook that I really love, they're actually two, but they're by the same author, is Yamuna Devi's, uh, her classic, which is considered like the encyclopedia of Indian vegetarian cooking. It's called, it's called Lord Krishna's Cuisine. The art of Indian vegetarian cooking. It's it's like 500 pages, maybe more. <laughs> it's a very thick book. And I knew Yamuna Devi personally. I, I learned. I was very fortunate to spend time with her and learn from her. And I just love because I know her personally, but also what she taught me. And I she was an inspiration behind writing my book. She was extremely meticulous. Um, perfectionist, but in a healthy way, you know, because she wanted the reader to have the best experience with her recipes. So the way she would describe them, she would test them multiple times, measure the ingredients and give different types of measurements just to help the reader have success with her recipes and feel empowered cooking. So um, I love her book. There's so much to learn from her book. It's from the stories to the ingredients to the methods of preparation to the Indian names. It's just an amazing book. And then her other book, which is more for Western audience, is called Yamuna's Table. And this was her attempt to create like Western-like dishes that are more healthy, according to her research at that time. This was back in the early 90s and yeah she's another great person who passed away but her books continue to be printed and I highly recommend those books if you like to learn more about vegetarian cooking.
0: And it's so nice to particularly it's very relevant to the world and what we've been going through the past few months that food really is medicine and we can really take our health back into our own hands in learning how to just cook really good food and as we've already spoken to, use spices. And I think it's, you know, worth mentioning that the Ayurvedic um, wisdom is that, you know, it's not so much about what you eat, but what you digest. You can spend so much money on, you know, all this fancy organic food and think that you're doing the right thing nutritionally, but still have major digestive issues and digestive complaints and you're not absorbing all this, you know, richness that you are spending your money on. And um, it really just... This whole conversation, I think, emphasizes that, you know, we must treat food as our medicine first and foremost to be proactive. But beyond that, we need to be digesting it as well.
1: You know, I I offer Ayurvedic nutritional consultations and just helping people determine what foods are good for them. I I read the pulse and and ask them about their eating habits and, and schedule and all that. And they all tell me I eat very healthy, but I'm still not feeling well. And some tell me, oh, I'm so sick of healthy food. <laughs> so I always tell that my mission is life is to prove people that healthy food can be really delicious. But at the same time, when I start asking them, so what do you eat? And they will say, oh, I have some yogurt and blueberries in the morning. And I'm like, you know, these are really two great foods for you, but when you eat them together, the food compatibility piece is that they start fighting in your stomach because they're incompatible. When you eat them together, they're incompatible for digestion. Okay, so what else are you, what spices are you cooking with? Oh, I'm using this and that. And I'm like, you know, your liver is so hot. This is going on. You have skin rashes and this and that. And you're eating these very heating spices. They will just perpetuate the problem. They're like, I didn't know that. I was doing everything wrong. And I'm like, you know, it's, it's one thing to eat healthy, but you also have to know what healthy foods are healthy for you right now so that's where ayurveda comes in a very personal personalized way and if you cannot figure it out by yourself just find a good ayurvedic practitioner who can guide you through the process
0: and spices don't necessarily mean spicy
1: exactly yeah you you can have a very flavorful dish that's not spicy hot pungent
0: our little boy eats a lot of food with spices and it's not spicy. I would never be putting chili in his body and, you know, anything that's overly heating, you know, such a sensitive digestive system. And um, yeah, like kids can love these kinds of foods as well. You know, it's not something that has to be exclusively, you've got to cook something separate for yourself. This is about how you can really integrate these changes into the whole household if you, you know, if you've got children or your partner or something living with you and and even I think you know you've definitely mentioned this cooking seasonally is a way to prepare food for everybody in a way that's complementary and harmonious for everyone um I'd love to ask you just before we wrap up here what does life living in alignment look or feel like to you
1: it's well alignment is something I honestly think about constantly pray for Um, it's first of all aligning with who I am and where I'm at right now and then focusing on my goals in life, um, where I want to be uh, or what I want to be, who I want to be and what I want to offer as a contribution to the world and then um, and then Aligning everything in between, including food. I always see companion food as my companion as somebody who helps me in my journey, supports me in my journey, rather than become an impediment on my journey. So alignment for me is uh, it's a it's a daily meditation.
0: And as someone who's very much living there dharma as you appear to be it's like almost as if your life and your work is ultimately a a continual offering
1: it comes with its pitfalls yeah (laughs) because it never ends yeah but alignment also is a great source of satisfaction and happiness because i feel that i'm doing the right thing at the right time and when I don't feel that way, then I always check with myself. So where where am I misaligning? Where I'm stray, st- straying away? It, it's it's when I don't feel satisfied or fulfilled or content with life. It's like okay, I I'm taking a detour. <laughs> so so it's time to to think about and come back to alignment. And and that's also the value of having teachers and guides, um, spiritual teachers and guides, but also in different areas of life. Um, one of their jobs—not I would not their jobs, but um, they're there—they're your teachers because they're helping you come back to alignment. Mm.
0: And Ayurveda is just that, like harmonious living. Yeah. seasons our environment our own constitution
1: yeah lifestyle uh, our diet living in harmony so that we can be the best versions of ourselves sounds so unreal
0: (laughs) (laughs) it is easier said than done of course but it's it's nice to keep that in you know in the background you know at all times and this is the great gift of the knowledge of Ayurveda and the blessing to have it be a part of our paths and our lives and, you know, even if we can just take something small away from it that can, you know, enhance our life, then that's such a such an immense blessing certainly. I would love to know um, what have you got coming up? Have you got any other books or classes or trainings? I know that life is a bit wild at the moment and the restaurant is, is open and running in York City, but, yeah, what's coming up?
1: Yeah believe it or not we have so much coming up. I just signed the contract for my next cookbook which will be ayurvedic cooking by ingredient. Wow. I don't I'm I'm not supposed to reveal the title yet. <laughs> but I'm very happy with the same publisher as the first book Ritali. They really produce beautiful books. I'm, I'm working on that now. And um, I just recorded just last Monday, I recorded. we recorded a three-part cooking class series, Introduction to Ayurvedic Cooking, where I explain... It's a little more talking than cooking. It's really for beginners who want to understand the principles. And then I show how to prepare a few recipes. And I think it will be very helpful. It will be available to purchase for a small fee online, and you can access it from anywhere in the world. And I think it will be really helpful for those who want to start, um, kind of dabbling with, uh, cooking healthy for their digestion. And then, um, our restaurant keeps going, thank God, (laughs) it's been a struggle during COVID, but we are open again and we develop, we also developing a few culinary products that will support you cooking at home so i've created four different spice kits with spice blends and individual spices some spices that are harder to find we just want to make it easier for people to find their spices in good high quality organic um, and just start cooking that way
0: that's Uh, incredibly exciting
1: i have other products that we'll review in a couple of weeks but if you uh, and then we're moving our school in two weeks. <laughs> we're moving to a new location. Finally, we couldn't do it before because of COVID. But we'll have a beautiful new base for our cooking school. And um, really amazing events, hopefully. So if you're in the New York area, just stay in touch because we'd love to, for you to visit us there. And always visit us at Divis Kitchen whenever you're in New York City. We'd love to serve you.
0: I'm hanging for it. I've already looked at the menu. It's like I already know what I want. <laughs> <laughs> it looks incredible. You just have to you have to open up global locations, please. That's a selfish request, of course, but no. that- you never know. Yeah, you never know. You <laughs> never know. I'll keep my fingers and toes tightly crossed. But it all sounds very, very exciting. It sounds like you've got so much going on, and and therefore I'm even more honoured and grateful for your time today. I, yeah, it's it's just such a treat to speak with you. Um, could we? Could you share with everybody where can they find you? Your website, where you are on social media.
1: Yes. Well, we have three platforms that kind of inter. They're interwoven, woven, so to say. So, our restaurant is DivisKitchen dot com, and um, we're very active on Instagram. You can find us at Divya's Kitchen NYC. My personal blog, where you can find a lot more recipes and basically all the information I couldn't fit in my first book. I put it on my blog. <laughs> I had to cut about a hundred pages, so um, it's DiviaAlter dot com. And that's all, Divya Divi Altar is my personal social media as well. And then our cooking school is called Bhagavad Life, like Bhagavad Gita, Bhagavad Life. And the BVT BVTlife.com and BVT on social me, BVT life on social media. We'll be making some exciting announcements coming up. And they're also on our websites. I just posted them. I did a few online like Zoom cooking classes during they're locked down and they available for free online as well. Oh, fantastic.
0: Okay, great. Well, I'll obviously link to all, all your sites and things like that in in the show notes and whatnot, but that's that's fantastic. So much, so much goodness to dive into. I'm really excited to see these cooking classes that you've just recorded as well. That's very exciting. It's always nice to go thank back you. to basics. Yeah. Well, thank you so very much for your time, Divya, today. It's been a real, real treat to speak with you. I'm so grateful
1: no thank you it's so wonderful speaking with you i wish i could interview you because you have so much to
0: share as well (laughs) Well, this is the the great pleasure of, of doing a podcast is just chatting and having great conversations with incredible
1: people so thank you again it was a real pleasure thank you so much if this
0: episode was of value to you and your life please subscribe and if you can think of someone who would benefit from this dialogue please do them a favor and send it their way If you feel called, hop on over to iTunes and leave a five-star review. This is the best way to get these conversations into the ears and hearts of our wider community to those who need it most. You can find me at amielandry.com or over on Instagram at amielandry. May we all move a little closer to a life living in alignment.